The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover. Crossover! Step back! Presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. Right here on 960theref.com. It's episode 84. The crossover podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville, Chris Brame and uh, David Johnston with you with a lot to uh, cover today. We'll uh, recap G-Day. The uh, NFL draft is coming up here this uh, week slash weekend. We'll touch on that a uh, little bit. And also, uh, Nicholas Claxton, the uh, Georgia basketball star who did announce last week that he is going to uh, enter into the NBA draft process. Now they're a little bit more lenient when it comes to uh, college basketball players as far as testing the waters and getting a feel for uh, what their prospects might be and still allowing them to come back to school. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that with Claxton and what it might mean heading into uh, next year for Georgia if uh, Claxton does indeed decide to uh, stay gone. But uh, first and foremost, Dave, I guess it's a, a recap of G-Day, which uh, I'll uh, full disclosure and admit I did not watch all of because it is just a practice and a scrimmage, and there's nothing about that game that was going to change my mind for better or worse about the uh, team. I think Georgia is a, a real contender in the SEC East this year. You like year. them? You think they're going to be a good team this year? Yep. I even told Jeff already, I think we might even beat Tech. So <laughs> he uh, he was feeling good about that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. The, uh, the good things are that uh, everybody played that we thought would play. There were no significant injuries coming out of G-Day. And we even got that confirmation from... Uh, Ron Corson the other night. Yes. So he even confirmed it. So that was that was good to know. You know, last year at this time, DeAndre Swift, I guess, was having some issues and we didn't realize it. And then it carried over into the season. I don't know if there's going to be anybody in that boat this year. It doesn't sound like there is. But injury-wise, it sounds like everything was good. And for the second year in a row, Jake Fromm throws a pick six in the, uh, the G-Day game. So if that's a prelude to another fantastic season, then – then that's good. I well, got no problems with that. And even for Stokes, because it was DeAndre Baker who uh, had yeah. the pick six a, a year ago, he ended up winning the Thorpe Award. So <laughs> if uh, Stokes can put together a season like uh, like DeAndre did, then uh, we should all be breathing a little bit easier about rebuilding that uh, secondary, which I guess does get me to the – uh, to the interesting part is people have like asked me about G Day, and you know I've talked to to people about it. And they've had their opinions. It seems like uh, the two primary ones is there was uh, underwhelmed by the receiving core, and to be fair, Demetrius Robertson, who we've heard a lot of good stuff about in the spring, and I think was at the top of the list of guys we were excited to watch in yeah. G Day, ends up not even playing in the game because he was ill. So there's a you know there's the being underwhelmed by the receiving core, which has an awful lot to replace, but also being happy with what we saw out of Tyson Campbell and Eric Stokes, and that's just like that one head-to-head battle there where I go, well, which is it? Are our receivers underwhelming and our secondary or our secondary really good then? Because it's like that's the matchup that was going toe to toe there. Yeah, yeah, and I was wondering about that too, and I was curious how the defensive backfield would, would play out on Saturday. And I know there's a lot of mixing and matching in ones, twos, ones, ones, whatever it is. But I was just kind of curious to see how they had them laid out, how they started in, in, in the roster. And, and, you know, we had Campbell and Stokes as the starting cornerbacks on the first team. And Devon Wilson and Tyreek Stevenson, I guess, as the starting cornerbacks for the second team. It's pretty good right there if that's your, if that's your four deep 
at at that position can certainly certainly handle that. So and and Fromm even admitted after the game he didn't play as well as maybe he he could have. And sometimes you just have days that are off. I think for him though, it's just like the the G Day game itself is is fun. They're playing in front of the crowds, but it's not the same thing as as uh, as a regular game. That's not an excuse for him or anything like that. And actually, the the pick six, I guess the one to Baker last year, Baker broke correctly and and jumped the route. Jumped yeah. the route. That wasn't as much the case this time as Stokes just kind of taking the ball away from from Holloman and then returning it for a touchdown. So. This time it wasn't as quite as much as uh, as it was last year with with Baker, but you know with everything we saw on Saturday, uh, again uh, you know the the offensive line we know is deep. That's uh, another thing that we knew going in, and uh, what was it going to be like on defense? And again, it's just it's hard to tell. I think the breakdown. Well, it's not hard. I mean, Georgia's defense can be good. I mean, but what I'm saying is is like how many are there were. Um, 32 rushing plays, and there were 83 passing plays, which is what we kind of figured it was going to be. Sure, yeah. So, you know, as far as getting to the quarterback, I know there were six or seven sacks, but it's, you know, all you got to do is touch the quarterback behind the line of scrimmage, and that's that's a sack. So it's still kind of hard to, to you know, glean a whole lot out of that. But as far as the final scrimmage of the spring season i thought everything went fine yeah and it was a, a better than probably expected crowd given the weather yeah, was lousy weather it was, was rainy and actually you know kind of cold after we had gotten used to 80 degree temps yeah. and then suddenly it's in the 40s on uh, on saturday and you know even kirby commented that he was happy with the turnout and acknowledged that he probably wouldn't have shown up if he was just a fan <laughs> with the weather being as lousy it's as like, it Kirby, was you so. can't say that you can't say that yeah i will have to but, say this so i had uh, baseball obligations and it was a great weekend for the georgia baseball team they swept missouri but so uh, so i recorded the game on the sec network and they ended up having a little bit of a nightmare because they had Georgia softball, and it just happened to be Georgia, uh, playing Tennessee. So it was a noon start. Should be done by 2 o'clock. Most softball games usually run around two hours and then go into kickoff for the SEC. SEC Network probably didn't leave themselves quite enough of a window there because there was a rain delay in the softball game. And they didn't join the football game until there was about six or seven minutes left in the second quarter and it was already 10 to 10 at that point. So I had set the DVR to record the the football game. So when I got home later that afternoon, I didn't get to see the first 20 points that were scored in the G-Day game. And I'm not really – I mean, I know that's a that's a little bit of a nightmare there for the SEC Network because the, the thinking is you don't leave a game that's that's going to go to another game. But in this case – do you have to take into consideration that there's probably a hundred times more eyeballs for the game that you're not going to than the one that you're you're currently showing? So I know that was a little bit of a dilemma there for the SEC network. And yeah, you know, and and here's the thing: they eventually cut away from the softball game anyway. They didn't even oh, show really? the la- they didn't even wow. show the top of the seventh inning. They cut away after the sixth inning. Was the softball game like close or was yeah? It, it was a it was like a. I don't even remember what the score was. In fact, I I don't know what the score was because I was forwarding through it to get to the to football. To get to the game, yeah. But I think it was you know it was relatively because it was a big series. Georgia ended up taking two out of three from Tennessee, and that was a that was a good thing there. So I'm not 
I'm not uh, trying to like say bad things about softball, but it's almost like one of those where people that are already watching, it's almost like you got you could tell them to go to the SEC alternate channel because there's a lot of people that are tuning in for football that that aren't getting it. I mean, it's it's kind of an impossible situation. Well, and I mean, that's the thing that kind of surprised me was they weren't offering the football game on an alternate television channel. They were directing you to to the ESPN app, which is what I, okay. I did. I went So they weren't even saying go to the alternate channel. No. Oh, okay. I didn't have anything on there okay. on my TV and um so I ended up just I pulled it up on the app and I watched the I saw that first drive where Fromm threw that pick six and I think he missed like his first six passes or something. He yeah. was like oh for six and then what the red team I guess that was got the ball back and then put together a little bit of a drive and got down there and kicked a field goal, made it seven to three and that's when I kind of tapped out because I had the same, I mean, a big criticism that I know a lot of people had that watched it on television, and that is the the coverage was dominated by the celebrity officials. And celebrity, losing using that term loosely, they were just ESPN employees that were um, officiating the game. And the there was just a lot more attention being paid to to those to that crew than it, I felt like the game itself sometimes, and it just was like distracting. And to me, I, I don't dislike the idea of it. I think there are some things that they show that are interesting, like being a referee in, in an SEC game is hard. Is hard. <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably what they wanted to yeah. get into the yeah. yes. And I get that. I understand that. And I thought that that aspect of it was okay, but. And nothing against Marty Smith, but they kept showing him spot the ball over and over and over and over and over. And after a while, it's like, okay, I get it. And then, you know, you're seeing the, uh, the, the field judge or you're seeing, you know, the, this, and they're, but they're talking more about different – I don't know. I just – it kind of comes across as a little bit of overkill. I wouldn't have had a problem with it if they had said, oh, by the way, uh, there's two guys on the SEC alternate channel, David Johnston and Chris Brame. They're just calling the game if you want to just watch the game. Yeah. Like, give give an alternative to that. You're still getting there. Well, we'll lose eyeballs if we do that on the SEC network. It's like, well, you're still going to get them anyway on another channel. I don't know that that's as big a deal. But I didn't hate the concept of what they were trying to do, but I hated the – the way it came off well yeah it's fine like mention this is what we're doing yeah and we've got all this crew that's down here and there and it is it's i guess it is designed to to show like hey you criticize officials but now you get to go down there and see it's not the (laughs) easiest thing in the world to do right but it's like okay then be done with it yeah and uh just start talking about the the game or whatever right and And there were times when i wanted to you know i didn't have a roster in front of me and there were times when Mathis would make a throw and it was broken up by some and but they were, you didn't know who who made the, the right. play on defense. You knew what ref tackle, was there calling it incomplete. But there. you definitely knew that there was somebody signaling touchdown on the you know on the 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 receiver pass to to Mathis in the end zone. Yeah, so, but I never really got much of a a breakdown on why that happened and and how it happened and that kind of thing. And that and and I think don't you think I mean most of the people that are watching the broadcast are Georgia fans who want to see the dogs and it's they don't need all the bells and whistles. I mean it's not like I'm sure there's like just football fans in general that are going to watch but 
mostly it's going to be in not just the Georgia broadcast, but the Alabama broadcast and the Clemson broadcast and whatever school it is. It's mostly their fans that are watching it. Well, yeah, and I think for older Georgia fans, they probably never imagined that after, what, January of 1982, that Todd Blackledge would one (laughs) day be back at Sanford Stadium as a celebrity Uh, guest referee. And I I know somebody that works with us that is not happy about that. Yeah, and I mean, I I guess I could appreciate that not all people are as psychotic about it as he is, (laughs) but I mean, I also, I do get his point. Like, if the that and the last two losses to Bama have got to be the three worst losses in the history of the school. Yeah. He was a starting quarterback for that team, so it's like... He doesn't need to if he he broadcasts games now. If he's on duty for a Georgia game, then that's his his, you know, that's ESPN's call, but we don't need to like invite him back to be a celebrity official for our spring game. And Greg McElroy was one of the announcers for the and he's one of the announcers for the broadcast and you know, we're talking an old Alabama quarterback, but yeah, he wasn't part of the the extra bells and whistles that got invited back for the uh for the game itself but you know we're if that's the worst thing in the world that that happened to me on saturday it wasn't it wasn't a horrible day that i had to that i had to watch that yeah i mean to, to be honest to be fair like i wasn't playing that wasn't why i stopped watching the game though. <laughs> i stopped watching the game because it was a, a just a scrimmage that like okay yeah you can just see some stuff and and, and no offense to the scout guys because they're very important but in the fourth quarter when there's guys at quarterback or guys at running back or receiver that you're not familiar with and you're you're gonna lose interest yeah but those guys believe me I love those guys those scout team guys are so important what they do during the week to get the other guys ready is huge huge but it's just not as as interesting you know to to watch but I'm glad those guys get to play in the G-Day game and, and get to do that Main takeaway, though, no one got hurt. That's like right. You, uh, like you said, that's the uh, that's the biggie, and Georgia's got uh, some ridiculous talent all over the uh, field. But I think we've we've known that for the last two years. So. Four four different kickers made a field goal. Does that do anything for you? Well, I think the Camarda kick in that forty nine yarder was helpful yeah. for when we fast forward to a year from now and yep. Hot Rod is gone. Yeah, and I you know I, I guess Camarda's going to have the the uh he's going to take the lead in the race to replace him so just have a 49 yarder and not great weather conditions too that was good to see reassuring for sure definitely uh but we all know what georgia's got to replace deandre baker you got three really good ones at uh at wide receiver with ridley and Mecole hardman and uh, terry godwin and deandre walker at linebacker now to elijah holyfield with the nfl draft coming up it's the crossover podcast presented by fully loaded pizza kitchen in watkinsville we'll uh, talk a little draft coming up next along with, uh, you know, maybe what the Falcons are going to be up to, and a mention of Nicholas Claxton, the Georgia basketball star who announced uh, last week that he is entering the NBA draft. It's the Crossover Podcast, Episode 84, presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. Chris Brame, David Johnston with you on 960theref.com. I like wings. I want pizza. I need a salad because I'm on a diet. Can we sit outside? You can't please all the people all the time unless you take them to Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. You'll find all your Italian favorites from pizza to baked ziti, along with sandwiches, chicken fingers, and more. Plus a full bar for beer, wine, and cocktails. And a patio to enjoy the nice weather. So you can all agree the place to eat is Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in the Manders Crossing Shopping Center off Mars Hill Road in Watkinsville. And coming soon to Five Points in Athens.
The Crossover Podcast, presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. Our uh, second half here, we'll talk some NFL draft and, uh, and even Nick Claxton and his decision to enter the NBA draft. But, uh, you know, we mentioned those Georgia guys, and, you know, right now it, it looks like you got one of them with DeAndre Baker that's a potential first-rounder, although there's, there's late leaking of um, character assassination of DeAndre Baker that says he might slip now into the, uh, the mid-second round because he skipped the Sugar Bowl or something. So I guess we'll yeah, have weird. to see with him. But, um, hey, if he's around in the middle of the second round, the Falcons pick 45th. I would recommend taking him. He didn't give up a touchdown pass the last two years. But, but, but there were shenanigans at the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Why are we just now hearing about those, though, with a couple of the week of the NFL draft is when that stuff finally, uh, finally pops on him. Yeah, I know. That is strange. Yeah. But now seeing some of these mock drafts that do have him going in the 30s or 40s just, you know, is, is weird. It really is. So we'll find out. What's fun? It's funny. Like Nick Bosa didn't even play for like two thirds of yeah. the year. He's going to get drafted second. Um, you know, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey. They skipped bowl games and went in the top ten. I don't know why Baker's slipping if he's slipping at all. But it's not because he skipped the Sugar Bowl. <laughs> no, it's not. So no. And uh, you know, Justin Houston, he had a little issue and he slipped. Yeah, he turned out to be pretty good. I know. For the Chiefs. Who's he with now? He's. Uh, yeah, he was. I they guess released they released him. him. Yeah, but, I don't know, know who picked him up. But. Gotta watch out with that kind of stuff. Does a guy like Ed Oliver cause any concern? See, I think he's going to end up in the top 10, too, yeah. when it's all said and, uh, and done. Uh, Houston's with the Colts now. Okay. With but, the Colts. Um, okay. Yeah, because early I've saw you know a lot of those early mock drafts kept having the Falcons taking Ed Oliver, which that'd be great if he's there at fourteen. I'd recommend doing that, but Ed Oliver's not going to be around at fourteen. No, he's not. And that guy was a guy who was last seen yelling at his coach. <laughs> In fact, do you think the Falcons might end up taking an offensive lineman? I think they should. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm worried that they're not that they they are going to take a a defensive lineman or another defensive tackle like Christian Wilkins, and it's like okay, that's. It, it's not that that's a bad pick because he's going to be a bad player, but the Falcons' offensive line has been a mess. Matt Ryan keeps getting hit a lot. Luckily, he stayed healthy, but but his window's closing. Yeah, he's in the fourth quarter of his career. It is. Yeah, and it's the, the Falcons have turned into one of those franchises now that have had this this stud quarterback now for a long time, and and luckily he has stayed healthy. But since they drafted him, the year they took him, they drafted they moved up to take Sam Baker in the first round who worked out for a while until he until he got his big contract then he got hurt and that contract was one that really drained Atlanta and then they took Jake Matthews but other than that you look at Atlanta's offensive line drafting and not only have they they not really devoted a lot of draft resources to it but they keep taking guys from places like Eastern Washington San Jose State and just small schools like that that's what they've done in the draft with the offensive line, and it's like it. Well, it, it kind of shows now on the field. Well, what would you think if they took? I know the the guy I keep seeing lately is the big offensive lineman from Washington State. I mean, you're talking Pac-12. You're not talking Eastern Washington, but he's a name I've been seeing now. Yeah, Andre Dillard. Yeah, um, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, he. Uh, I, I don't know if he can run block because I don't think they they run the ball a lot out there. But I I. What did I read about him in one of the scouting reports? I don't. He hasn't given up a sack in like two years. Yeah. And how, so how many passes is that? They throw a lot of passes. The quarterback doesn't hold the ball very long for, for Washington State. But yeah. still, I mean, they throw a lot of passes. 
It's got Ask over Mike a thousand. Leach. He'll yeah. tell you. So yeah, I guess you know. But can he run block? Is yeah. he as good at that? I don't know. That's that's for the experts to know that kind of stuff. He's enormous. But if Jonah Williams from Alabama yeah. is still there at fourteen, I'd I'd rather take a shot at shoring up that offensive line than because you keep hearing about well. You know, maybe Atlanta takes a defensive tackle. Christian Wilkins' name keeps popping up, and it's, well, it's an insurance policy if they can't re-sign Grady Jarrett to a long-term deal. And, I'm well, you know what the insurance policy is on that is re-signing Grady Jarrett right, to a long-term exactly. deal, which they should do because the guy's good. What if Dwayne Haskins were still there? I've seen some mock drafts where he's going to get taken below that. Below the 14? Below 14. Wow. So what quarter – so Murray's going to go one. Murray – Drew Locke. Uh, do the Giants love Daniel Jones? They're going to take Jones, him. Daniel Jones, yeah. I mean, but what if Haskins were still there if you're the Falcons? I'm I'm not opposed <laughs> to to drafting quarterbacks even when you've already got a good one because the almost like a worst-case scenario then is you can flip them for draft picks. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't know. And, you know, you're just always preparing for the, the day that your star quarterback won't be around anymore. But then, of course, if the Falcons did that, then everybody would just be losing their mind. Yeah, I mean, there are, obviously there are there are bigger needs that the team right. has. Yeah, but, I mean, it's but if they felt like they could fortify with a trade or something like that or address some other issues, I don't know. I mean, he just seems intriguing to me, and I'm like, really, he could be in the late teens. That I don't, would that, that would be weird. That's that's I'd be stunned if that was yeah. if he was still around there. Yeah, at that point, so. In fact, I'll quote the latest Walter football draft. They've got Haskins going fifteenth. Who picks then? Uh, let me. I have to rattle back to it here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was. I thought that was a little, little surprising to see. I know the Dolphins have thirteen. The Falcons have fourteen. Is it Washington? It, uh, um, let's see here. They're in that neighborhood. Yeah, it is. Scrolling, still scrolling. Still scrolling. He is uh, – it's the Redskins. Yeah, okay. And they would have the Redskins taking him 15th. Yeah. Which, to me, would seem like a steal. By the way, the Dolphins are picking in front of the Falcons. Yeah. And this one says Christian Wilkins, which – So the Dolphins would take him? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen the Dolphins on the clock, too, for maybe Dillard. Yeah. As they begin to, to tank. Unfortunately for Tua and not Trevor, but um... – <laughs> Yeah, would they take Jonah Williams, potentially? You mentioned him. I mean, there's going to be plenty of options around that, uh, around that area if that's where the Falcons end up picking. Yeah, there. You know, it's it's not the strongest draft for offensive linemen, but I do think all the good ones are those those three in the first round. Jawan Taylor from Florida, and then you've got Dillard and you've got Jonah Williams. Yeah, I think the Williams, big three. He'd be gone by then, wouldn't he? By Williams? what fourteen? Yeah, I would think so too. But if you're looking at I mean, possibly four quarterbacks. Going, uh, yeah. going in that stretch with Locke and Jones. If you throw in Haskins, unless Haskins does really slip into the teens, that is just that is weird to think, but it's definitely a possibility for sure. And all it takes is for one team to love a guy, only and, one person, and the Giants. Uh, the Giants apparently like Daniel Jones, which I do not get. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, feeling the heat though because they got to do something, and their drafts have been horrible. Yeah. So, but I, it's uh, you. You realize that because they were coached by the same guy does not make does does not make Daniel Jones like Peyton Manning. Uh, I, but that's what they want to think, or that's what a lot of people want to think, right? 
And oh, you, he's Cutcliffe. Oh, well, then it's a it's a it's a no brainer. Yeah. Also, I mean, I think that the Giants are kind of messed up too, and that they actually think Eli Manning is good, yeah. which he isn't, <laughs> even though he's won two Super Bowls. Yeah. Well, they're picking seventeenth, so. If you got him at 17. Yeah, well, they've got six, too. They've got the two well, picks. Well, six and 17. Yeah. yeah. The, the the mock I'm looking at has Jones going 17. and Oh, they have, him ta- they have the Giants, the taking, Giants 17. taking him at the 17th pick. Now, if you could get him at the 17th pick, that's yeah, a that's little better than But six. would you pass Haskins? I wouldn't. Yeah. I'd take Haskins yeah, over I Jones. I would, too. Yeah, I think so, also. I mean, despite what Stephen A. Smith thinks, he's not a run-first yes. guy. <laughs> the guy threw for a uh, – in fact, the only quarterback that threw more in college football last year than uh, Haskins did was uh, Minshew at Washington State. Yeah. But he runs a lot. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Run, yeah, he runs a lot, apparently. Speaking of drafts, the NBA draft, the tentacles have reached the University of Georgia this year a little bit. Now I don't think it will. You don't? No. Okay. No. I I have complete confidence and I feel I feel assured that Nicholas Claxton will be starting for the Georgia Bulldogs next year. Here here's why I'm worried. And maybe I I I I don't remember cuz I just don't remember. But when Yante Mayton did the same thing, I don't remember him like releasing a statement saying, you know, I'll always be a bulldog and this right. and that. It was just like Yante's gonna he's gonna test the the NBA draft process and see how he grades out because I think even now uh, they can hire agents and still yes, come they back. can, which is why I think he'll be back. Okay, but like so, what what makes me a little bit more nervous about Nick is he put out a statement where he did say all those things that like the statement that he put out and he tweeted out on Friday sounded like he was saying goodbye. <laughs> yeah so i don't know maybe georgia wanted him to put that out i don't know just to to say something because he he was and i've talked to a couple of people that are in the know on this you know this is i guess he made this announcement like what a day or two before they had to put it out there right but this wasn't like all of a sudden he just decided that he was going to do this in fact a lot of these guys, I don't know why they wouldn't do this now. Uh, yeah, you know, no, I think they all no should do it. There's no risk. I mean, they can come back. And they can actually hire an agent now. And these agents have to be guys that are certified by the NCAA. It's not like he can just make you or me his agent and we can speak for him. It doesn't work that way. So these are guys that have to stay in good standing with the NCAA. So it's going to be in their best interest to make sure that their client or whoever is using them is going to get the best advice. And I honestly think that, and the problem is when you start evaluating a player for a draft, let me start over. When you evaluate a recruit, all you hear is all the great things they do. When you evaluate a player for the draft, all you hear is how bad they are, all the the things they can't do. It's, It's bizarre. But Nicholas is such a he's such a different kind of player just because he's he's very lengthy, he's long, he's tall. In fact, I think if he didn't come back, Georgia wouldn't have anybody on the roster over like you know, wouldn't have a like a center on the roster or anything, but And also still wouldn't have a point guard. He still wouldn't have a point guard. He does so many things, but there's things that you would just assume that being in another year in Coach Crean's system, getting to play with a, a, a better, it looks like a more talented team that would only help him because he could be a guy that every team in the NBA could look at and say, well, I can see some of these things he can do, but 
you know, we got other guys that we think fit our needs better. But even though we were talking about the NFL draft, there's still that situation where all it takes is one guy to like you. But I just think in this case, Nick's doing the right thing. His dad, a former Bulldog, Charles Claxton, has got a great head on his shoulders too. And I think they know it'll ultimately be in the best interest for them for him to come back for another year and then go to the NBA. Yeah, there's no reason not to do it if you can come back. Yeah. And so it makes sense. It's just when he said, I want to thank Dog Nation for welcoming me with open arms. No matter what, I will always be a Georgia Bulldog (laughs) for life. I just like, I don't Maybe Yante did, and I just, I don't remember because I was a couple of years ago. Yeah, that doesn't sound like he's, that. yeah, that that sounds like a farewell tweet. It it did. When I read that, it sounded like he was saying goodbye. And I like the NBA draft is only the two rounds, but he is, when you look at these prospect rounds, rankings they've got him all within the the number that would get drafted in the second round and so I guess that's the question of do I come back and potentially be a first rounder next year I do get drafted and I start getting paid to play basketball next season yeah I mean he also tweeted something like uh, you know because it's funny because you get all these these people that you know Twitter and everything it's like well he he's not ready he's you know he he shouldn't go in the draft you know that's just a terrible decision and and I would think that he sees that kind of stuff, and then he tweets out something like, you know, hey, you know, negative makes me better or something like that, too. It's just weird how fans get into this this negativity because somebody who's doing something smart that if they were in the same boat, they'd do the exact same thing. Yeah, you know, I know. I mean, there's no reason not to do it, but the, the worry is like, yeah, I mean, he's definitely wiry. And you, you I mean you think about the NBA, and he could stand to, to pack on some muscle and a few pounds. But a guy that's six eleven that can handle the ball like he can, we've seen him go coast to coast, go behind his back, and you know yeah, lay up and he's dunk. A phenomenal and, talent. So for a guy that size that can do that, I mean, I definitely see why he might appeal to to some team in the NBA. And I mean, Georgia, despite the class Georgia just signed, even with the Ant Man coming in, I mean, Georgia needs to have him back next year, yes, Claxton, big time. But. Um, I don't know. I, when Yante did it, I was I was how you were, and I was like, he's going to come back. Because there were things with Yante where he was a center here. He was never going to play that position in the NBA. And, you know, so it was, he wasn't – he was going to get – he'd be better off coming back. But with Claxton, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not as sure this time. I'll be flabbergasted. If he's if not he stays, back. Uh, yeah. yeah, if he's not back. That's uh, that statement, though. It read like he was saying. Now you got me worried. He was saying goodbye. Thanks a lot, Brain. Yeah, sorry about that. All right, we appreciate you checking us hey, out. We do have a big baseball weekend coming up at Mississippi State. I know last night didn't go very well with uh, the, the game over at SunTrust Park, but uh, dogs have a big weekend coming up in Starkville against Mississippi State. They got swept last weekend at Arkansas. So going on the road is tough, but uh, Emerson Hancock and his 1.04 ERA and SEC Pitcher of the Week stuff, can't wait for the series this weekend. The Dogs are at home next weekend against Florida, so there'll be a you know a lot going on. This Florida team's not as good as they have been. Doesn't mean anything, but just want to throw out there the, the fantastic season that, that Georgia baseball is, uh, is having so far. Not that I think anyone listening to us doesn't know that already, but uh, be ready for the Gators, and uh, let's hope for a good weekend out and start Vegas. Georgia can't shake anyone, though. That's uh, They lead the SEC, but Vandy and uh, and what, Arkansas still working just a game back. So. I think I counted, what was it, there's like eight teams that are within like four games of first or something, and there's still 12 games to go, so... 
yeah, there's a long way to go. Long way to go. All right, thanks for checking us out again this week. Episode 84 of the Crossover Podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. As always, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or uh, listen on demand anytime at 960theref.com. For uh, David Johnston from The Morning Show, I'm Chris Brain from the home team. This has been the Crossover Podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville on 960theref.com. You've been listening to The Crossover, presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville on 960theref.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.